Hello world, what's up and welcome to our first show called God Said Give Them a Podcast. Now you may say, God Said Give Them a Podcast, what is that all about? Well, I'll tell you, it's basically a play on words of a highly anticipated documentary, right? Detroit Sound Project presents God Said Give Them Drum Machines. This is the story of Detroit Techno and its creators. We started this podcast because we wanted to continue to keep in touch with all of those who have supported us on our journey up to this point of making this great documentary. We also want to expose you to the process of what an independent film production company has to go through just to make a film like this, right? So we want you, our audience, in, in, in these uncertain times, right, of this COVID-19 changing market, we want you to come along and share in our journey, our struggles, uh, and again, the impact that we've had thus far in our journey in trying to get support and expose people to this great history of Detroit techno. But you know what? I did not do this alone. You know, you have to have, you have to be on a great team of creatives. And so they will be introduced to you later on in the show. Again, if I didn't say it before, welcome. Thank you for joining in to our first show. I'm so excited. This is your boy, Reggie Dokes. My small role was that of composer, and we'll get into that as well later on in the show. But anyway, let me stop talking and let's get it popping. This is your boy, Reggie Dokes. Welcome. Let's get it going. So now I have the pleasure of introducing to you guys the team of this fine documentary. We have um, Jennifer Washington, who was an executive producer on the project. We have my brother Christian Hill, who was director, and David Grandison, who was a producer on this great documentary. All right, team, y'all say hello. Yo, what's up, man? Yo, what up? Hey. What up, though? And I'm Christian Hill. I am the uh, visionary behind the film. God said, give them drum machines. You know, <laughs> I'm definitely the visionary director. Yes, yes. Up next, the wonderful Jennifer Washington. And I'm Jennifer Washington, executive producer and producer of God said, give them drum machines, the story of Detroit techno. Uh, I thought I was the visionary behind the whole project, but, you know, if other people also, you know, want to claim that they have vision, that's fine, too. I um, I welcome yes. everybody's uh, expressions and ideas um, as the the day to day uh, I guess uh, mommy of the project in terms of me having to do all this work too. I know everybody thinks that Christian is that really you know he he does he is responsible for what we see on screen um, and the story as it moves and unravels he has been doing an awesome job all of these years um working tirelessly 
interviewing people from here to South Africa and Tokyo and Russia. Um, Dave has also been a very important part of our team as he is another producer on this film. And he also brings a wealth of knowledge and history and enthusiasm that we just could not do without. Um, David, um, can you tell us about your role in the project and the other work that you're doing with Music Origins? Yeah, um, you know, uh, we, we, we all linked up very early on. Um, I had been documenting a, uh, a lot of artists in Detroit uh, and capturing their stories. And, you know, we, we teamed up early on in the process and a large amount of, you know, the archive that I had accumulated, we, we pulled into the project and, and is a part of uh, what, you know, what the film you know, is becoming. And um, I, I personally am a uh, producer, you know, of almost, you know, 20 years, but I focus on uh, education and um, the work that I do, you know, kind of spans from games, apps, uh, you know, like DIY Doc that I that I created to create documentaries and teach people how to create short documentaries, and then Music Origins Project, which is a way for young people to experience different parts of the world uh, through uh, Google Street Views and VR. And uh, as a part of this project, I've documented every location that has been a part of this film and allowed uh, young people travel to those locations virtually um, through, uh, through uh, Google Street Views so that they can experience uh, places like uh, Milgrashny, Russia, or Tokyo where Derek May plays um, a, a huge concert and the team was there to film that, or South Africa, where the, um, the Cape Town Electronic Music Festival happened and the film Electric Roots uh, was shot. And so through these various vehicles, you know, we're helping young people to, to learn about STEM skills and to experience places that they may never be able to go, but it allows us to tell our story uh, on various different places platforms you know that ultimately uh what documentary films are is their educational tools and uh this is our way of kind of creating um a you know detroit techno 101 platform that allows young people to experience the places that are part of the film the founders of this film music called detroit techno and uh ultimately for us to leave a legacy that helps young people to learn about Detroit techno, because I think ultimately all of us have that in our hearts is we want that story to be told worldwide. And uh, we're trying to create a platform to do that. And now Reggie, oh my gosh, we are so thrilled to have Reggie as part of, of our team now. This, this score you. music that he is responsible for is, I think, is a no, another character in the film. And without it, this film wouldn't be possible. We wouldn't be able to tell these stories in this way. So I'm from Detroit, Michigan, as everyone else here. I, uh, Detroit is my muse. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. And this music, ever since I was growing up, has been a huge inspiration in my life. And this, this project is a labor of love. And uh, today, we wanted to talk about a live stream that we did over the summer. Uh, part of my work is to make sure that this information about Detroit being the birthplace of techno music 
has been my uh, a constant effort for the past 10 years. And so we are working to build bridges with different institutions in Detroit to help spread this message even further and for generations to come. And so we had this awesome uh, virtual DJ live stream in July and it was a successful event. We had all sorts of awesome DJs uh, that performed and we also raised money for Black Lives Matter Detroit. And we were so thrilled to be able to raise $500 to support their work. And I was able to interview John Sloan, who is one of the directors over there, Black Lives Matter Detroit. So we're gonna go ahead and listen to that interview now. John, can you just start off by just introducing yourself and telling me your role? So my name is John Sloan III. I am one of the co-lead organizers for the Detroit chapter of Black Lives Matter. Just tell me, what? how long has BLM Detroit been around for? Yeah, so BLM Detroit's been around for a few years, um, about maybe four years at this point. There have been a couple different iterations of the chapter. Um, organizing work is hard, right? So like none of us get paid to do this. So this is all a work that we put in um, on our own time. Um, and we really do our best to make sure that we have a balance between the rapid response work, which is necessary. So the work out there protesting in the streets and, um, and supporting people immediately. And then also trying to have an eye on the long-term uh, uh, policy solutions um, and the long-term organizing that we know we need to really get to a point where we can have black liberation for all of our people. Tell me about your team. Who do you work with? Yeah, so my primary partner in crime is a wonderful woman named Curtis Renee. Um, she and I have been working together with BLM for the past three, four years almost. Um, and we do our best to try to balance out that work. So we work in a couple uh, key impact areas, right? So we work in food, uh, nutrition, justice. We work in educational uh, advocacy. Obviously, uh, as BLM, we organize around police brutality. Um, and we also work to make sure that we can um, assist our community in areas of, of poverty. And so a lot of times it looks like housing um, and, and there's uh, legal foreclosures that have been happening in Detroit for a long time and, and how we can partner and support. And so Curtis and I really try to divide up uh, those roles and those programming duties um, and split those. And then we've got a large team of supporters that are more general members um, that, that show up to events, um, that hop on our virtual events. Um, and some some other partners and collaborators that we reach out to from University of Michigan, from Michigan State, um, but really a pretty large group of supporters in the three to four thousand range of, of people just in Detroit. So you know, we did want to bring you here to do this to officially give you this donation. A few weeks ago, we had a live stream of our own called Electric Unity. It was a DJ live stream, and we just felt like it was you know our responsibility to support. Um, the, your chapter of Black Lives Matter. And so we are honored today to be able to hand off, virtually hand off a check to you. And then hopefully you can get it, receive it on the other side. Oh, isn't that so awesome how we can do that? <laughs> that was crazy. It, it really means a lot to us to know that we have family out there that are supporting us, that are um, doing everything they can. Um, we have a lot of programs that we try to run year round and this the past couple months have brought us a lot of attention, but we've already seen a decline 
in donations and mailing lists. And so knowing that we have support um, from people like you uh, and artists and Detroiters, you know, regardless of whether you live here now, if you were born here or raised here, you're Detroiter for life. So um, we really appreciate that support. And this goes a long way. People don't understand, like this right here can make sure that we get, you know, 10, 20 kids outfitted with supplies for school, with backpacks, um, make sure that we can feed, uh, you know, some, a few more families in our community. So um, that, that does a lot for us and we really appreciate it. How are people able to connect with you and get involved? Yeah, so we have a couple key programs that we're working on right now, especially during this time of, of the pandemic. Um, we recognize that a lot of the same forces that intersect to uh, make police brutality and poverty so disproportionately affect our community are the same forces that are intersecting to make COVID and the coronavirus disproportionately affect our community. And so we've been doing a virtual series of events and they can go to our website, blmdetroit.com to look at that schedule and figure out when those are, are coming up. Um, and we're also launching a new media channel on YouTube to be able to try to continue to get information out there. There's a lot of disinformation out there about BLM. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of disinformation, right? That people put out there about our movement. Um, and so we're trying to do the best job that we can to clarify any points um, as necessary. Uh, but we're all, we also have a few different programs. Right now we're doing a, a community food share program where some of this money is gonna go directly to urban farmers, black farmers in Detroit, and we're paying them so they can keep their doors open. And they in turn are providing food to members of the community that have a need. Right. And so in some cases, we're subsidizing. In some cases, we're being able to cover the costs completely. Um, so that program lasts for eight weeks at a time. And that's something that, that members of the community can sign up for. And then we're also doing right now a, a backpack drive. So we're trying to prepare our youth for school coming up in the fall. We don't know what it's going to look like. And so our kids are going to need a variety of different things. They might need technology. They might need just regular old books and backpacks. And so those are the two major programs we're working on right now and trying to get up off the ground and running. Um, and so you can do anything if you want to get involved. You can go to our website. You can shoot us an email. You can jump on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, obviously, money is always important, but that's not the only way you can tap in, right? Like, we want to make sure that our movement is sustainable, and we do our best to not launch any program if we don't feel like that's a program that we can sustain over time. We don't want to just parachute into a community and leave, right? So anything that we build out, we really want to make sure it's something that we can sustain and becomes a pillar of offerings to the community. Can you tell our audience um, how they can um, reach you on social media? Yeah, um, use our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, it's at Detroit BLM, um, and just hit us up. You go to blmdetroit.com and shoot us an email. Um, we will do our best to get back to you as quickly as possible. If that's not within the next first two days, just bear with us. Um, we try to triage, right? So when somebody comes through and says, hey, I need you to help me with this crisis, they immediately jump towards the top of our list. Um, so we ask for your patience, but we also appreciate your enthusiasm. And I just want to thank both of you. I had the privilege of seeing a, a screening of your piece at the Freak Film Festival a couple of years ago. Didn't know I, I was watching your piece until Jennifer and I spoke earlier. And like the, the work that you are doing is a blessing to the artist community and to the city. So I just want to make sure I had an opportunity to say that to you. Thank you, John. This was awesome. Jennifer, I hear you. I really do. But first, let's get into the Detroit Hot Picks 3 from your boy. Okay, let's do that. So this first one is by my boy, Steve Crawford. When the world's a maze of blunders, time to 
record is called Rise featuring Lachi. I think this came out in 2017. Highly underrated record. Highly underrated. Steve Crawford is my homie from the D. He is actually uh, professionally a an attorney. So he is an attorney by day and by night. He is this awesome DJ, producer, and musician. Super talented brother, my man Steve Crawford, Rise. now if we can hear um christian david we'd like to hear from you now too what what is your uh takeaway from our event that we had in july the electric unity live stream you know electric unity was was powerful because you know we you know we were able to one touch our fans again you know we all really love to embrace the the people who are who are supporting this project and so this this allowed us to touch the fans. We hadn't we hadn't done anything substantial in a while, and so we had the love of the people who are supporting this film. Uh, they were able to come out. They were able to actually see some of the people who were part of the project, and they were able to obviously speak to the the team. You know, Jennifer and and Christian, you know, who can share their love. And so, you know, Electric Unity was was a powerful, powerful event. And then we were able to touch the 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 people who are now. The carrying the torch. And so we, you know, we had DJs, young up and coming DJs who were able to, you know, to, to bless us. And, and hopefully we were able to create a platform that actually allowed them to be seen and to be a part of the industry. So I think we all really, really were blessed by the event. And we were really uh, happy to be able to give back to Black Lives Matter, which is, uh, you know, again, ho- you know, they're, they're holding the torch on, on, the, on the social justice side of things. Right, and thank you for uh, being a part of the, our event as well. Uh, we couldn't do any of any of anything that we do without our village of uh, producers and composers. And uh, now I'd like to hear from our director, Christian Hill. I loved Electric Unity. I loved how uh, this community of DJs around the world kind of can come together at a form and come together at any moment and kind of aid people by just giving them this feeling, this feel good music and, and kind of sharing the um, camaraderie and things that we need in order to get over these tough moments. So just to be able to get this team of DJs together that could play some music for people and people could feel good enough to donate some money and donate to our cause and come to our film and buy some merch. I mean, that that was an amazing feeling and amazing power. Uh, The young DJs from uh, Ann Arbor, Memco, 
they stood out. Of course, uh, our boys in South Africa always show up and show out. You know, we had Ivan and Bruno. And, of course, we had my favorite, uh, Nesker One. So um, just the, the power in the how we were able to, in the moment of kind of real need, be a source of inspiration for people to come together and, and feel good. So that's what I took away from Electric Roots, that it, it had like a real positive vibration on the community. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's not forget, shout out to uh, Stacy Hot Wax Hale yes. and Who That and Reg. Reg was on the lineup too. Yeah, yeah. We can't forget Reg. that. <laughs> yes, yes. You did your thing. Um, <laughs> Christian, would you please tell me what you do and where you are right now in the process of the film? Um, what's going on with you behind the scenes? It's a few different questions there. That's a so lot. I, I, yeah, right? I'll just take them, try to take them one at a time. And your first one was, um, like, what am I doing now? Right? So I'll jump off there. It's like, now, <clears throat> as we try to really wrangle the story and re go through like rewrites or re-edits. It's like finding those, those voices and those kind of like stories that connect um, the legacy of this music and its impact, you know, around the world and beyond the borders of Detroit, you know? So it's been just like clicking around, of course, on the internet, but I started running across a lot of, kind of literature, books, and articles that kind of really point to the history of this music. So, you know, that's really how I've been kind of spending my time reading Machine Soul by uh, John Savage, which was like a village voice piece from 1993. You know, uh, going back reading uh, Dan Sicko's book, Techno Rebels, um, which is I want to say the definitive kind of literature on Detroit dance music and the history uh, of how this music kind of where, where it starts and where, where it is now. And so kind of going through those tombs and kind of just getting ready for interviews that we've had, these, these makeup interviews, you know, which really are going to help the story. So, you know, in addition to reading, you know, it's just been kind of uh, reformulating the story and just making it more of an emotional uh, character-driven piece as opposed to like an information-oriented doc, you know, um, just making that, that leap into, um, I want to say, like filmmaking, you know, just Yes, the doc that we had and we've been working on what was that, but over this course, you know, as you have and everyone who's associated with the film, we've all kind of grown and uh, come into our own as, you know, producers and filmmakers. So as that evolution happens, luckily the story gets the benefit from everybody's kind of, I guess, growth, you know, so. You know, just in addition to that, we, we had an interview with a gentleman by the name of Norman Anderson. Um, he, Norman Anderson is, goes by, he's professionally known by the name of Normski. And uh, like Normski uh, was the guy who took the photo 
he took the photo that uh, made it onto the Record Mirror magazine that was the uh, first cover photo of this music. You know, back in the uh, 80s, there used to be a lot of fanzines and magazines kind of used to help sell this culture. In America, it'd be like Word Up, New Magazine, or Ebony Jr. Like those magazines just kind of were on the newsstand and they gave you information about your favorite artists. Well, in England in 1987, 88, there was a fanzine called Record Mirror. And on that, that is where the uh, picture of what we like to call the Techno Six, Juan, Atkins, uh, Derek May, Eddie Folks, Santonio Echoes, Blake Baxter, and Kevin Saunderson. That photo is the first photo of techno artists from Detroit uh, being kind of marketed overseas. And this gentleman, Norman Anderson, took the photo. The great thing about him was that he was a 21-year-old kid from uh North London, you know, he was a black kid from London. So it was kind of uh, cultures connecting and colliding. And, and with that, you know, they were surprised. Juan and them were really surprised that uh, the magazine would send a black guy over to take their picture because they had never really seen uh, somebody, a, a brother with a camera out here taking pictures. And Norm was surprised that the makers of this music that he he had heard about, he had only heard about it on the trip, that the makers of his music looked like his brothers or his cousins and, and his family members. And he, that was one of the things he really took away from Detroit was the familial bond and how this music kind of really uh, connected him to uh, a sound that he, he had learned was electro, but he didn't really know that it, it was kind of born out of uh, Juan Atkins in Detroit. And he holds great reverence for, for Juan and the Detroit sound. So it was a great interview to just get him on tape talking about this stuff, you know? Guys, let me get into this next Detroit Hot Picks 3, okay? Sound Signature, y'all. Come on. One of the deepest and most prolific labels from Detroit, my man Theo Parrish. Now, Theo may have been born and raised in Chicago, but when he moved to the D and making music in his young adulthood, it's best to say that Detroit claimed him as their own. And it's safe to say that you know, once Theo started traveling as a DJ, that he represented the D hard and still does to this day. My man, sound signature, Theo Parrish, lights down low. know uh being from detroit you know there's 
there's like it's like a language we have with other people. I really, uh, if people aren't from Detroit or Michigan, I really kind of don't like them as much. You know, I really, <laughs> honestly, uh, I think I might just be a little discriminatory uh, against people um, that aren't from the D. I really, there's always something that puts a smile on my face when um, some, you know, good news comes out of the D or it's just anything that's artsy or creative. There's, it's this, it's not only a city of resilient people, but it's a city of creative people and people that have this like other, you know, it's like confidence on another level. And today my cousin, shout out to Glenn Washington on a snap judgment podcast. He sent me a text. Did, did you get it uh, Dave? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, so he sent me a text about some news piece that happened in Detroit, and I want to share it with everybody. Now, if you can share it, Dave, that'd be great. There we go. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I had seen this, this bubbling earlier today, and it blew my mind <laughs> that somebody in Detroit has actually tried to jump the drawbridge over the River Rouge River. Okay, that's some that's some Detroit. <laughs> okay, do you want to do you want to play it? Another news tonight: Eleven, a driver is arrested after jumping his car over a rising drawbridge on Detroit's west side. Tim Pamplin is on the scene with the night cam. Tim, we are down near Zug Island. There's a Fort Street bridge. Normally, the arms are up, allowing cars to pass through. Well, tonight, one arm is down, completely smashed to bits. As a driver fancies himself as a bit of a daredevil. Look, that's a eight. Best bridge operator, Andre, says he couldn't believe his eyes. Well, the driver is now in the back of a police car. There's his vehicle smashed in. Officers tell me he's full of whippets. Whippets, you say, yes. That's a whipped cream dispenser. Apparently, youngsters nowadays can sniff the gas and get high. Here's Andre again. I hit the emergency stop and the bridge jammed. Detroit police putting out the unusual call this evening. The cops said it was like the Dukes of Hazard. That's what it, I call it the Blues Brothers. <laughs> That's a first for me. So uh, we have, we have uh, stories that come out of Detroit that never cease to make because of the things that happen in the D, you know? That's a Detroit story. What do y'all think about that? Oh, my God. On, on, only in the D, man. Only in the D, man. I, I, that's the first, bro. All about cars. Cosmic right, cars. Right. Remember, Detroit Techno, <laughs> cosmic cars. He, my man was trying to fly. He was, yes. trying, to figure, he was trying to leave like the mothership. I ain't mad. <laughs> You know, I think um, that was so inspirational. Like that alone, I think is worth its own spot on the a podcast. Only in the D, only in the D, right. do you see somebody do, jumping the bridge like with like the General Lee on Dukes and Hazard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, crazy. I, I, I gotta give it. That's Cosmic Cars, man. That, that's right. That's <laughs> Ryan wrote about that before he did it. Right, right. That's techno, right? right? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 techno. techno. There you go, there you go. Driving in my car. Foot <laughs> <laughs> on the gas. <laughs> why 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 are we pulling up articles? Do we do we pull up the other article that came up this week? 
bring it out, bring it out. You know, I, I, I think that, you know, it's all about, you know, we want to talk about the now and we want to talk about uh, where, where, where we came from. So it's all good. Um, let me see. Can I share? Mm. Wow. I hadn't even heard about that. Okay. This is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. This is what I'm talking about. And I guess if, you know, on some level, do since we throwing our articles about what's happening in Detroit right now, this is definitely something that's happening to Detroiters who love techno music in real time, uh, their feelings about these accusations, you know? Wow. So um, can, uh, Christian, in a nutshell, can you talk about what this deadline article says? Well, I mean, the deadline article points to um, accusations made against Derek some 13 years ago and a few other additional accusations of him being sexually inappropriate. So I'm just bringing this article to the fore because at some point, hopefully, you know, Derek can get his name, kind of uh, his reputation back if this is not true. However, if it's true, it's uh, uh, it's unfortunate and, uh, you know, one man's, uh, one man's actions, you know, hopefully don't shine poorly on the whole scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I would say, and, you know, I want to be PC and I want to make sure, you know, that I'm, that I'm being, being, you know, sensitive, but, you know, again, I, 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 we have challenges, I think, that happen when we're dealing with artists. And many times, you know, artists do things that may not always be seen in the best light. We've had this happen with uh, Michael Jackson. You know, we've had things like this happen, um, you know, with, with many of our icons. And so I, I think that the challenge that I always have is, do we separate the art from the person? Can we separate? the art from the person. And that's, uh, I think that's gonna be, as long as we have artists, we're always going to run into challenges, you know, with their life, with their lifestyles. Oh. Jennifer, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, cause again, I'm, I'm speaking from you know, my perspective. It's happened, we see it with Ellen. We're ha- you know, we're seeing this type of thing with Ellen too. Um, again, like, you know, the thing with Derek after, you know, we've been following this saga and yes, women have been coming forward and they've been sharing their stories too. Let, let me put oh, my two cents in on, too. So, please. so you know, I, I, first off, you, you know, you hate seeing this kind of thing, especially when you know the person personally. You know, for me, uh, it's hard because, you know, I like to, to think that Derek um, helped me, um, significantly, you know, when I was first trying to become, uh, this traveling, uh, DJ. Um, and, and, you know, I spoke to him the other day just to check in on him, see how he was doing. And, uh, he said that, you know, he's, he's remaining strong and that, um, uh, he's a fighter, his exact words. Uh, he's a fighter and, um, and that he's going to fight this. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, yes, they are allegations. You know, I, 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 
I think we all want to see how, you know, this, uh, you know, this plays out and, you know, it, but, you know, you, 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 it's something that, you know, we have to talk about, you know, s- something we can't skirt around because, you know, he's one of our major uh, uh, key components, you know, in this documentary. Um, um, so, I, you know, I, I just really hope there's a, a, a positive ending to this, you know. Um, that's all. That's why I brought it up, just because we'd be remiss if we sat here and then made fun of the video of the car going over the bridge and not really dealt with the the real kind of issue that this impacting one of the people who helped us get to this point in making this film and uh, inspired uh, all, all of us on some level to right. Uh, right. bring our best to this storytelling effort. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, y'all, this last one, I gotta get this last one in, please. We're gonna keep it in the sound signature family, okay? But it's not Theo Parrish. This time, it's our boy, Alton Miller. Alton Miller, yes, from the D, Alton Miller. This one is called Bring Me Down, one of my favorite tracks uh, to run uh, on the sound signature label. Bring Me Down, produced by Alton Miller, featuring the homie, Miss Marissa Rose. Come true If you cannot see 
want to move on next to the, uh, I think we all feel this way, the inspiration behind uh, this great documentary, the, the, the title for that matter, um, the great uh, rest in peace, uh, Mike Huckabee, um, who was a true inspiration to all of us. Uh, and um, I think Christian uh, um, said it uh, that, you know, he was the inspiration behind the title, uh, you know, of this great documentary. You know, Huckabee touched a lot of us uh, in so many great ways. And so, you know, we want to share that with you. So we'll start with Jennifer. Uh, Jen, what's your thoughts and feelings about uh, Huckabee and uh, his impact on our journey so far in making this, uh, this great piece? Well, I have to say that, honestly, I didn't know Mike growing up unlike uh, many of you did. But when I did meet him, I knew that he was somebody special. And he was such a genuine spirit and honest person and who was selfless. And he was, out of all the people that we've interviewed uh, for this project, I really felt like he really did uh, have a genuine um, concern for the youth in Detroit and others. And so he was, a beautiful spirit that wanted wanted to, I guess, focus on education, and he that that's something that not uh, most of our subjects didn't have that uh, to offer, and so it was fresh and it was exciting to hear his perspective when we first interviewed him all those years ago at the Standard Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. And when we sat down to speak with him, um, I knew very little, but when he started to talk about how he had a dream, so to speak, one day uh, about um, how God and the angels were sitting around trying to figure out what to do with Detroit and because it was at, a t- at this time, Detroit was going through a bankruptcy and, but, you know, growing up in Detroit, it's always been sort of um, on the economic decline. And this was something that kind of always haunted me. And I think others too that are on the Zoom today can also can relate to, um, and like Norman Anderson's put it yesterday, was bombed out when he first saw it. And so, Mike had this dream, so to speak, between it was God and the angels speaking about what, what can we do? What, what should we do about the people of Detroit? They're starving. And God said, give them drum machines. And so Mike shared this story with us. And right then and there, we knew that that was going to be the new title of our film. So we are forever in debt to his heart and his spirit. And he continues to inspire and, and motivate us to get to the finish line. So that's. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was great. That was great. Thank you, David. Well, David Grandison, what's up, man? Well, tell, tell us your feelings uh, it's, about it's, Huckabee it's and so, his influence. It, it, you know, it makes me, you know, it chokes me up, you know, really, really, you know, talking about Huck because Huck just had such a pivotal role in the development of dance music in Detroit. Okay. Absolutely. You know, Mike Huckabee um, influenced a generation of artists 
between 1990 and 2000 working. I, I'm not sure which of, which of those years he was working at record time, but when he was at record time, he was the guy to go to when you came, when you were a DJ in the city and he was touching artists. He was, you know, there, there were just so many artists who came through the door. And then he went on to start producing his own music. He became a sound designer. He was one of the only sound, you know, one of the first sound designers to actually, um, you know, create and engineer sounds for, you know, many of the, um, the, the drum machine companies. Okay. So his influence was felt around the world, not only in Detroit, but people are, were making beats uh, with his with his clips. They were you know using his sounds. So you know Mike Huckabee is a you know was a, was a, is a legend in the D as far as I'm concerned. And you know I, I feel like we're blessed to use his quote you know as 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 part of the title for this film. And you know he he will be missed. And uh, you know again I, I I wrote a tribute to him. Um, about record time and him, you know, on the site, you know, musicorigins.org, you know, if you want to learn a little bit more about his time at record time. But okay. yeah, Mike was big. Yeah. yeah but you know, can I, can I add one thing to what I said? It, we we got to remember, Mike was an educator too. Yes. You know, Mike was teaching young people at Youthville. Mike is responsible for cats like Kyle Hall and a number of other uh artists that learn beat making from him. So again, we're educating Mike an educator. So, you know, that that's love. I we can't we gotta be we gotta talk about that aspect of his legacy. You know? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. All right. Christian Hill will end it with him on Huckabee and, and his influence on this documentary and, and on you. Go ahead, brother. Thank you. You know, we go back. It's like, but it's it's like that. Those my earliest memories and hanging with Huck is what is like the stuff I was leaning on when I asked him for the interviews and stuff like that. You know, because I hadn't talked to him in years. But you know, when we was in high school, we used to hang and DJ together and stuff like that. And Man, I just, a friend of mine uh, was going through some tapes in South Africa. He was in South Africa and he was going through some old tapes from the 80s. And he ran across a tape that uh, I had given him. And it was from a party that I did at uh, Michigan State. And on the tape, on the tape, I was like, you know, I'm your audio tech for the evening. And, you know, for the next half an hour, you are going to hear the sounds of my man, you know, Mike Huckabee. And, <laughs> bro, that, uh, I mean, that for a few days, that had me messed up. I was thinking like, well, how do I get this in the film? You know, just do I put myself in the film, you know, get Huck and, you know, just it, it was a, it was an overwhelming moment to just kind of, uh, share with people we just like you know man th this was my dude like you know what i'm saying it's yeah. just not a, you know i just met him now and then took something that he said and tried to uh monetize off of it nah bro we used to we hang when i was in new york my man would come stay with me in new york we'd go out you know talk about music he'd stay in my crib you know uh it was just, it had been like a gap between that period and kind of today where I'm trying to be a filmmaker or not trying, where I was 
when I met him, you know, it was like talking about being a filmmaker and uh, my man always supported. And he'd be like, point that thing. Point that thing over here, bro. <laughs> yeah, point that thing, man. And, uh, that's what I would try to do. But, you know, my man, uh, even in the end, I was like hitting him up, trying to, you know, get him to give me some music or, and he would always be like, bro, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't know what's going on. And uh, I, you know, I used to be like, bro, I'm, I'm making a movie. You ain't going to understand, you know, but that being said, bro, I wish I would have kind of taken the time to figure out the helping to understand earlier, you know, so that uh, he could have left more of his imprint on this thing. So, uh, you know, he does have a significant imprint on uh, how uh, this, mo- this, this, this movie, you know. So, uh, I mean, like, I can remember him giving me notes and kind of being like, yo, man, make sure you keep Blake in the shit. You got to keep Blake's story in there. And like, uh, yo, you, you need to get Steve Dunbar in there. Man, make sure you get Steve Dunbar in there. Don't, you know, shoot, I'm glad you got Daryl Shannon. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, boy, was kind of supporting my early decisions in a way that kind of, that's why it's in the film now is because Huck was you know get in, in his in, in our best way to communicate about what i was doing he was kind of giving me like feedback on what he wanted to see in terms of this story being told so again i just wish i could have done more to uh help him understand what i was doing so you know we'd have more of him on screen yes absolutely thanks for sharing i know for me um you know i was one of those djs that would go to record time um every week you know, uh, and and Huckabee worked in the uh, in the dance room, and man, that that room would be full of cats, man, because the records came in. The new records always came in on a certain day, so you 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 know when you went in, you knew you were going to hear some 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 new stuff, and Huckabee was the guy, and he would just play the new stuff and. You know, we'd give him that that signal like, yeah, make I want that. And, you know, Huckabee was into making bags for everybody. You know, like if you didn't have the money to buy all those records <laughs> at that given moment, he would make a bag for you, put your name on it. And I see you next week, bro, when I had that cheddar to buy those uh, 10 and 20 dollar records. You know what I'm saying? But um you know, Huckabee will, will, will be missed, man. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough a few years back to have a gig in New York and um, Huckabee was on the bill and I was opening up for him. And um, um, I remember it was raining like hard as hell. And we were under this tent and the tent started to collapse. And so the promoters were like, look, man, we just gonna, we're gonna move you all inside downstairs the basement of the club. And um, so, you know, Huckabee, you know, he he was like my Yoda, man, you know, just a a calm, um, uh, intellectual, um, approachable uh, spirit. And, um, you know, for me playing with Huckabee, you know, having all these years under my belt, being a DJ, playing with Huckabee, 
is it was humbling for me um, because I understand the contributions, uh, the blood, sweat, and tears, the dues that he has paid, and the tremendous amount of people that he has influenced, um, you know, all over the world, man. So it was really humbling. I'm so uh, blessed to have such a great memory of, uh, you know, sharing, um, you know, a moment, um, you know, with, 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 uh, with Huckabee. And I know that, you know, once we get to the finish line, you know, with this documentary that he will be smiling um, down upon us because, you know, you talk about Black Lives Matter and you know, when, you know, we talk about uh, the social injustices that have occurred and continue to occur. But all of this has shed light on the lack of, 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 of stories and, and influence that people of color, specifically, uh, you know, Black people uh, have played uh, not only music, but fashion. Uh, how the underground uh, of music and fashion has influenced, uh, you know, the world. So, you know, that's why our story matters. That's why this uh, this documentary matters, because we know it's, it's a lot of documentaries out there that that have spoken to or uh, the, the story of, of techno. But we feel we have something special because it, it, it we delve deep into uh, uh, you know the techno six if you will uh, and their stories and and how what they created you know and, and influenced the world and you know I think that's what makes all of this unique very special uh, and necessary. You know, we have to remember that music is one of those things that brings people together. And if you're going to bring people together, you need to educate them. And 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 so we feel that this documentary is going to do that. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for joining us and supporting us on our first show. God said, give them a podcast. Listen. When we think about the D, as we affectionately call it, Detroit, you you may say, well, you know, why is the story of Detroit techno so important? Well, I'll tell you, first off, it's black history, right? Second, it's history that the world needs to know. We're talking about young men who created a genre that influenced the multi-billion dollar industry of EDM. Hey. It is a story that has never been told in this way. So that's why we are excited to show you and to share with you again what our journey has been. Right. And delve into mm, a few things that may be popping in Detroit that uh, we might find interesting. So listen, I hope this has been not only entertaining, But I hope it has been informative as well. So please stick with us. Be patient. Don't forget, you can follow us on our socials, on Instagram and Facebook, right? At God Said Give Them Drum Machines. Also, we have a really cool website you can find online, www.gsgedm.com. There 
you can delve into a little more of the documentary, the trailer, uh, the people, the personalities of Detroit Techno. And also, you can purchase some merch. Man, we got some cool t-shirts and hoodies. So please support, show that Detroit love, and support us in our journey and what we're trying to do. We appreciate you. Uh, this podcast can be listened to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen from. Okay? So guys, thanks again. We appreciate you wholeheartedly. Please stay tuned for episode two. And don't forget, Detroit is techno. Peace.